awesome. It's good to have you all with us here today. Uh, uh, find in your Bibles the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, if you know where it is, give yourself a gold star. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, we'll get you a gold star next week after you find it. The book of Ecclesiastes. Um, we live in a world of extremes. We live in a world of extremes. Uh, when I say extremes, we have some people who are super achievers. People who uh, are goal-oriented, they're driving to their goals each and every day. They wake up and they have lists to do and they find great joy in checking things off. They get straight A's. Uh, They work hard to figure out ways to grow their assets. They uh, relentlessly train their mind through education, uh, whether it be formal or just reading and studying. They're trying to get ahead. Um, they get up early and train late uh, so that they can reach the Olympics. And so one day uh, they can experience the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Some of you don't know what that's from, and I appreciate those of you who do. Um, I'm getting to that age uh it's really frustrating, whether it be in the office here with RJ, Brandon, and Zach, or at my home where I'll say something incredibly witty and culturally relevant, and they'll look at me and say, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so maybe it isn't culturally re- relevant. Uh, there's other people as well. Uh, there's other people as well. On the other side, there are people that can't see a reason why. They, they don't understand why. Uh, they don't have drive. Uh, they can't see why all this matters. They uh, kind of look to others to somehow provide. The hard work is a waste of time. And providing for yourself is to be avoided and replaced with uh, obligating others and justifying why they deserve others to take care of themselves. And in discouragement, they sit and are lost uh, these are the extremes that we live by. Wherever we lean, and most of us lean to one side or the other, uh, I think God's got a message for you today. I, I think there's a message for you that God wants you to know today. Um, it's with great anticipation I've been studying this week and thinking about what to share And know this, too, that as we continue on, as we continue to look to God's Word um, through the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, He wants to right your ship. He wants to bring you to think His thoughts. I I want you to get this, that that the reason we talk about the Bible here, the reason that we... uh, are in this every week and we we are constantly pointing back to it is because we need to hear from God. Uh, One pastor that was a bit of a mentor for me, he uh, described himself as the big jerk on Sunday morning. And, uh, And what he explained his job was, was to jerk people back, uh, to God consciousness, to understanding that God has something to say to their lives. And for me and for us this morning, we come back after maybe a week of wandering and maybe for others, uh, a long time of wandering. This isn't just a moment. This has been our whole lives. 
And we've wondered in some ways why it hasn't been working, why it hasn't been fulfilling, why it's been so frustrating. Maybe God's got a message for you this morning that he wants you to hear. And so we come to God's word, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first 11 verses. God's word says this, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around uh, to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams Run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. Uh, The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things yet to be among those who come after that. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would guide our steps. Uh, God, speak to us now. I ask that you would open our hearts and make it that good soil that will uh, take your word, take your truth, that it would change us and remold us and uh, it would cause us to be drawn to you and dependence on you. God, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, if you're here, you realize that we're just at the beginning of a study of a book of a the book of Ecclesiastes, we remember that the uh, this is a message uh, translated the preacher, the preacher, or the one who assembles people for an important message. And uh, we see that uh, man to be the person, the writer, if you will, the story of what we're going to listen to these next weeks, probably Solomon. And the message coming from God that is so important for us to hear. As we look at God's word this morning, uh, we see, I I read for you what we talked about it last week, verse 2, vanity of vanities is the message. It's this refrain over and over again, vanity of vanities. This is the, uh, and and that word vanity, remember, it's the idea of temporary or fleeting, fleeting, Uh, some translation meaningless. And and why meaningless is because if it's fleeting, if it's not going to stay around, if it's something that's quickly gone, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so it becomes this vanity, this hard work for nothing or this life of meaningless. And uh, I shared with you and kind of the theme of our study here is to find meaning in a meaningless world. 
Uh, and, and I trust that as I think of all of you, uh, that that's your desire as well. And as, as I think about this, I kind of got ahead of myself. I want to encourage you parents, we meet on Wednesday nights. We're in the middle of a study. All the studies are self-contained. So if you haven't been yet or you missed last week or you haven't even thought of it, don't worry. Just come. Uh, Study it for parents and the principles of parenting. And this week, this week, I want to tell you, we're going to be talking about uh, the difference and abandoning fear-based parenting for faith-based parenting. And I think it'll be uh, timely for you all. I think that uh, uh, in some ways we've been reminded these last couple of weeks that there's much to fear. There's much to fear as parents. And I want to tell you that that can, if you base your parenting on fear, it's going to make a mess out of things. And so we want to walk with God. So I want to encourage you to come Wednesday night at 7 o'clock over in room A. Uh, I'd love to see you there. Commercial over. Vanity of vanities. We talked about that last week, this idea of meaninglessness. And we stopped there, but I I alluded to it. Um, I I couldn't stop myself last week. But uh, we get in verse 2, vanity of vanities. It's that refrain. It's the problem, if you will. And then in verse 3, he asks the question. He said, uh, what does man gain by all the toil at which he do- he toils under the sun? Uh, that question's a very important one, but let me just talk about under the sun first of all. Um, it's, it's the idea of in this life right now. It's under the sun. It's, it's what we're living. It's, it's, it's this life that we are doing. He says, I want to talk about life here today. And so he uses this phrase under the sun, and he's going to use that phrase over and over again. We're going to see it under the sun. And when you hear that, you want to say to yourself, that's life now. What is under the sun? It is the idea of this life and this life only. Um, to differing degrees, people find a sense of futility to that in of itself. It's like there's this life. Uh, it's a burden, and then you die. Uh, there's various ways that people have said that, some some crass and some very philosophical. But there's this idea that what is this life all about? And uh, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, most likely Solomon, inspired by God, wants to share with us, what is it? What is uh, this meaning? And he asks a question, and it's the big question of today. What does man gain? What does man gain? What does it matter? Uh, uh, the word gain is a, a word kind of leftover. What, uh, the idea of profit, right, is this, that you do something and at the end you have something left over. Uh, if you realize that uh, your life is just about existing, of getting through the day, you realize that, oh man, it just seems burdensome. But if you have some profit at the end, if it's worth it somehow, uh, that will make the difference. And so as we look to God's word, we see what is the profit? Uh, what is the thing that is left over? 
after uh, we work. And, and this word work, if, if you look at it, he's going to talk about this over and over again. Uh, we, we translate this, at which he toils under the sun. It, it, the word there is just for work, but it's not just working. It's the idea of burdensome work. It's translated most of the time. It has some idea of hard work. Uh, some of you know about this. You've done this your whole life. This has been, you know, you've been out there doing it. And, and you know, when you do hard work, you, you know, there's, there's repercussions, right? Uh, some of you know those repercussions better than others. You know, you, you work hard all day and you say, boy, I'm exhausted. You go to bed and the next morning, uh, you feel like you need a lube job, right? You know, the various parts of you aren't working like they were, uh, when you went to bed and it takes a while to creak and you snap, crackle and pop and all those things. Uh, you, you feel that and, and you ask the question and we do this all the time. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And that's the question this morning. Is it worth it? Um, I, I want to encourage you that these are the tough and, and, and some of us, we don't like to talk about it, right? We'd rather just get a schedule, get a schedule, get a list. And we put things on a list and we check them off and we get them done and we go, yay, I was successful. Uh, were they important? I, I don't really care if they're important, I, but I was successful. I made it through the day. Uh, I, I don't like to think about the big issues of life. I want to tell you the big issues of life can be answered. You don't have to fear them. And so uh, at the beginning of this book, and really uh, this is a question that the rest of the book is seeking to address. What is a prophet? What is the profit of all this? What is uh, these things? How are they going to be worked out? What does it matter? What will I have of all my hard work? What will be left over to enjoy? And really, is it worth getting up today? Is it worth it? As we look at these questions, we realize that toil is about life, that life is hard. There is a lot uh, to do. There's always pain involved. And it's under the sun. And I want to tell you too, it goes later in the book, we're going to talk about this again. But these are the observations of man. These are the observations as he was looking to the right and to the left as he was experiencing his life, as he was considering his things that he had done. He was observing life under the sun, life down here. And so as we look at this, we realize uh, this is a man's observations, his inspired observations. And so we're going to look at... Uh, some of his observations were or really his examples of this vain, vain life or this meaningless life that is to come. The first example is example one in verse four, if you look down at it. And he starts off in verse four and he says, generation to generation. And so uh, you think about that. Maybe, maybe you don't think of that if you're younger here. Maybe you don't think about generations so much, but I think you do. Um, you think about, oh, my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents. Some of you have great-grandparents, and you can look to that, and you think about those generations. Or maybe you look the other way, and you say, my kids, my kids, my grandkids. 
you know, you grandparents, I, I want to talk to you for a minute here. You're always talking about your grandkids, about how great they are and everything like that. They can't be as great as you're talking about them. And it's funny to me how, you, you, you know, you'll do crazy things for your grandkids, you know. Uh, you'll do things and you'll bend and you'll, 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 you'll have a course and that will be thrown out the window for your grandkids. You know why? Because you think about the generations, you realize. I, I th- think about uh, seeing the high schoolers up here. And what, what's funny, I see some uh, past high schoolers here this morning. You know, people who have been on the stage, people who have been a part of the youth group. And now they're, you know, they're older, they're educated, they're important people, moms and dads, they're married. Like, and, and I see this and I go, generations, right? Generations. And you know that I love that idea. And, and not just that I love the idea of it, I, I'm driven by it because I realize that, that generations come and go. And that's what the scripture says, right? That's what this verse says. Verse four, a generation goes and a generation comes. Is that encouraging to you? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I was driving yesterday and I drove by a cemetery. And uh, this particular cemetery I don't think they use it anymore because there were weeds this high and there were uh, tombstones and rocks and stuff out there. And it had been kind of abandoned. And I think to myself, what an interesting thing. Because one day people stood at that cemetery, loved ones, as they buried their loved ones. And they carved on a rock their name. And some bit of information, maybe a phrase or something that marked their life. And I was thinking, I don't know who's buried there. I'm not even willing to stop. I, they, they've been there for a while. And I don't, And then I started thinking about my own family. You know, I, on one side, I know where my grandparents, uh, their remains have been buried in Santa Barbara. But on my, my dad's side, I don't know. Somewhere in Michigan, I assume. And I think about that and I think about what a big day it was for us as a family last year when uh, we went to the cemetery and we celebrated my mom's life and my kids were there. But you know what? Their kids weren't there. You know, their kids will come and we will tell stories about my mom, but they won't know them. And you think about that and a generation comes and a generation goes. And you think about, he, he puts this, he takes the, the brevity of life, and I want to tell you, that's you and me, right? Our insignificant life, he takes the brevity of our life, how short it is, how insignificant it is, and he places it next to the futility of this earth. And this is what he says. Look down at God's word, verse 5. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows uh, to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And now it circuits, the wind returns. And then he says this, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow, where they flow again. So you want to recognize, I wouldn't have recognized this, by the way. Growing up in Santa Barbara, I wouldn't have cared. But do you notice something there? 
Southern California Edison people, you know what I'm talking about? You know where I'm going with this? Uh, GE Energy, uh, are you with me? What, what, what's in here? What's in here? You got solar, you got wind, and you got the the, the dams with, uh, you know, our area is marked by energy, by these things. And why is it a good source of energy? I don't, I don't want to get into politics, but why is it? Because it never stops. It never stops. And he connects these three. He says, this is, and he puts our temporal life, our, our life to the, next to the futility of this happening. And as you look at this, you, you can picture a young boy and, and he's talking to his mom and he says, mom, tell me about the sun. And the mom says, well, the sun rises early in the morning. And he says, oh, I'll get up early and I'll see the sun uh, rise. And so he does. And he says, yeah, mom, I saw it. And she says, yeah, it's going to move during the day. And so uh, every hour, two hours, uh, this little boy goes out and he goes, yeah, it used to be over there. And now it's over here. And at lunchtime, she says, yeah, you know, it's going to be right overhead. And he goes out there and he says, yeah, it's right there. How is it moving? And just just the way it is. That's what God's doing. And and then you go to the end and he says, well, where's it going to At the end of the day, it's going to set and it's going to go right uh, behind that hill and so he goes outside and he looks and he he has that special moment where it goes and it's gone and he sees it and he goes well there it's done it's there it's done and she says well he says to her well where does it go he says well different places in the world see at different times and and she says yeah you can do it again tomorrow and it'll happen the same tomorrow it'll and, and and so he goes outside and looks to the place where it's set. And he goes, how how did it get over there? How did it reset on me? And he said, that's what the sun does. As you look at this, you realize there's a futility to that. There, there's a sense where that's great that the sun continues to rise. But it also never changes. The wind blows. Um, it's Ashby. We know about wind blowing, right? Depending on where you live. Well, it doesn't really depend on where you live. It blows everywhere. Some of you uh, have greater wind at your house. And uh, uh, the wind. And we realize. And, and you're asked the question, where's the wind machine? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? And. Uh, there's a sense of not being able to find that. I know you could study and you think you got a great answer for that. And yet, as it catches us off guard, we realize that there's no source that stops the wind. And that you can turn it off or turn it on. The wind. And then lastly, uh, the water or the rivers. And the rivers all uh, stream run into the sea. Uh, but the sea, sea is not full. And it says to the place the streams flow, they flow again, filling up the sea. They continue to flow. You look at that, and uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara, as I shared, and, and you, you see the ocean, and we never thought about it much, but there was a sense where it was just always there. You knew it would be there. The idea of uh, it not being there it just doesn't make any sense. And we realize that it's a constant, and all these three bring us to this idea that that says this, it's never finished. It's never finished. Um, cross that off the list. 
It's done. It's never done. And as he looks as a man and he witnesses this, and granted, right, this is a man who can only see his lifetime. He can only know uh, from before that what others have told him. And, and that's true for us as well. We've heard from our, our parents and older people how things went. And it's always interesting to be with older people, especially as they visit places and they say, hey, I, I remember this. I came here as a child. I remember what this looked like. I saw this river. I saw this place. I, I remember being here. It's a futility, and he places the generations that come and go next to the futility of the earth. He goes on from there, and he speaks of the weariness of life. As you look down at God's word, verse 8, he says, All things are full of weariness. And then he speaks of, of us, and he says, And man cannot utter it, right? He cannot speak of it. He cannot speak enough about it or conclude all that there is to conclude and share that. And he says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. There's always more. There's always more. It's always interesting. If you're a person that has to know everything, there's a lot that's frustrating for life for you, right? It's always interesting. If you stay in one place, maybe you can know all there is to know and finally get to the end of your life and you know the most about a particular area. I hate to confess my um, my ignorance, but uh, so I remember I was married. I was married. I don't know what year this was. I was married and I was up in Oregon uh, where Rebecca's family is from and I'm reading the paper. I'm reading the uh, you know, the classifieds, I'm reading the classifieds and, and there's a, a, a column and it says timber for sale. And I had one of those aha moments. That's why I've said all my life, when something's going to fall and you're supposed to look out, you say timber. I figured it out. Some of you laugh, but I, I never knew that. I mean, lemon trees aren't going to uh, really hurt you that much. You don't say timber, right? Uh, they're not building houses out of orange groves, right? Uh, and, and it didn't dawn on me that that's timber are the things that fall, big trees. Uh, and, and I thought to myself, boy, you've lived your whole life in ignorance. Uh, I want to tell you, listen, listen, there will always be more. There will always be more to see. There will always be more to hear. There will always be more to know. And there's this sense of weariness to it. The college student knows this, right? They they spend nights, they they pull the all-nighter, right? There's more work to be done. There's another class to do. There's always another degree to get, right? Another class to take. And so there's a sense of weariness to this life. And so uh, the example one was the futility of the earth. The example two was the weariness of life. There's a sense of never being satisfied. 
whether it be the things that we utter, the things that we see, or the things that we hear. He goes on to example three. In verse nine, he says this, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. You see that again? Nothing new under the sun. He brings in this idea of nothing new. And as we see this, we see example three, the old news of new news. The old news of new news. We are, um, there's a culture, we're infatuated with new shiny things. We're infatuated with them. If it's new, it must be better. Some of you fight against that and you're saying, no, because I'm not new. I'm a classic, you know, an antique, uh, um, like fine wine. I'm getting better with age, you know. Uh, we're infatuated with new things. And so he goes on to describe all that has been. And he says the past is the past. It's what's been done. It's already happened. There's nothing you can do about it. He goes on from there in verse 10. And he says, is there a thing which is said that, see, this is new. It has already been done in the ages before us. I, as I think about that, I, I want to tell you, uh, for those of you engineers here today, boy, this is great. This is great. Because what you can do is understand what is done before and apply that to the new situations, right? Uh, to the problems of the day to the things that you're desiring, those things are already in place. And yet they are not new things. Be very leery of someone who says, I've found out something that no one else has ever figured out. It's not true. They've applied something that's been around forever to the present day culture, to the problem of the day. And they find themselves in pride to be something great. And as we look at this, uh, the writer gets to us and he says, there's nothing new today. And then if that wasn't enough, verse 11, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after uh, it's interesting. When I was in high school, they had days that were the 50s days. The 50s days. And you'd dress up like you were part of the 50s. And what's offensive to me is now they talk about the 80s days, right? And they're quickly moving to the 90s, right? And And you look at that, and what they're doing is, they're just connect. By the way, they're just connecting to their parents' generation. They're they're not connecting to their grandparents' generation. They're connecting to their parents' generation. You know why? Because that's what they can know. That's what they can remember. Their grandparents' generation. It's harder to understand. Their great grandparents' generation. There's no connection at all. No remembrance. And you think about that, and and we're always uh, we fight against this. Uh, we we we're so connected, and we want so badly to be remembered. 
Uh, we, we love the idea of the attention that somebody remembers. That's why Facebook has a following, Instagram even greater, right? It's a picture. It's some kind of way of drawing that you will remember. It's interesting. Uh, when you have a wedding or when you have a graduation or a birthday, you take pictures. Why? Because you want to remember. But I want to tell you that in time, our kids, grandkids, they'll look at pictures and they'll say, who is this? Who is this? And you say, well, I'm riding on the back. I'm riding on the back. Well, good for you. Uh, because they will read that and go, uh, who, who is this? And they'll say, oh, that's my great-great-grandmother who I've never met and don't know anything about. And you think about that and you go, that's what this life is. It's not being remembered. It's being forgotten. And he looks to the futility of life and he gives example number three, the old news of the new news. We think it's, uh, it'll never be forgotten. It's always interesting. The Olympics, right? That's what the Olympics are all about. They're about winning a gold medal. And do you remember when? And uh, th- this will never be, br- this record will never be broken, except in four years, right? Uh, uh, it'll be broken. And there, there'll be a sense of, of this and that. And there, there will always be this next thing that's better and shinier and, and somehow, and the old will be forgotten in time. And as we look at this, uh, he gives this to us, and he says, this is the way it is. I, I, once again, uh, we come to the end of the message, and I want you to come back next week. I realize that's, uh, and I told you last week, I told you, I, I mean it. Uh, it's meant for our comfort and correction, the book of Ecclesiastes. And you say, well, I don't feel very comforted right now. Uh, let's deal with the correction, and we'll find the comfort, Okay. I want to give you three things this morning that uh, will kind of uh, encouragement and helps for today, okay? The first one is this. We are temporary and small. Temporary and small. And as you think about that, you go, that seems bad. That doesn't seem all that encouraging. Uh, It seems bad if we find ourselves to be great, we find ourselves to be great, if we find ourselves to be most significant in our family, our culture, our time, if we find ourselves to be great, guess what? It's a bummer when we find out that we're temporary and small, right? It's a bummer and it's discouraging. But I want to tell you that accurate picture of who we are, it'll help you in your family. It'll help you at your job. It'll help you in a time just like this. It'll help you deal with aging. It'll help you deal with how you you prioritize the things that you are. You says, my life is insignificant, small, temporary. And based on that, what should I be doing today? Secondly, uh, life is constant weariness under the sun. It's constant weariness under the sun. That's the God-inspired picture of this life. And I, you say, well, that's not that encouraging either. Uh, I want to tell you, yes, it is. You know why? 
Because if you read the brochure, if you believe the marketing that said, life is going to be easy for you. Yeah, everything's going to come to you. You're always going to be healthy and happy. And uh, life's never going to have showers. We like showers, by the way, right? We, we like it if it would rain. But, but when it's raining, a lot of times we say it's going on too long and it's messing up my plans. I want to tell you, th- there's weariness to life. That's part of what this life is all about. And if we understand that, it won't catch us off guard, right? I want to tell you, it's, it's critical. It's critical for you to teach your kids that. You know why? Because they're going out in a world as insignificant small people, right? And if they think everything's going to come their way, guess what? It's not. And that can lead them into a spiral, a spiral of discouragement and depression. It can be frustrating and it'll cause them to quit. But to see, uh, it's not that these things were supposed to be like this, but God says he wants us to see as we look, there's weariness to this life. Lastly, this is the encouragement part. Okay. I know it's coming. It's in my notes. It's right here. Uh, Lastly, I want to say this. No one can find meaning. No one can find meaning. Without the hand of God. Without the hand of God. No one can find meaning without the hand of God. If you skip over to chapter 2 of the book of Ecclesiastes, I had to cheat a little bit to get there. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. But as you see this first message, this first uh, complete thought, it's really the first two chapters. And this is the conclusion. I shared it last week as well. But we'll keep coming back to this so that you would know where this is all going. Get the great comfort that comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. It goes like this. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 24. He says, There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? Know this, know this. And this is for followers of Christ These are for people who are believers in Jesus and for those who are not, those who are not. We can both uh, get turned around in this one, whether you have life or whether you don't have life inside the sun. Uh, It is for everyone. We can get lost on the road thinking that finding enjoyment, finding that profit will be somehow in my life plan that I've made up for myself. And I want to tell you, If you find enjoyment in your life, in the work that uh, you're doing or or the the meal that you're sharing, it's interesting. He keeps going back to a meal, right? Meal. Some of you are saying, was Solomon a foodie? Uh, I don't think he was. I I think he was. But uh, let me say it this way. I think he had whatever meal he wanted to have. I think he had the most fabulous chefs and he had all the organic ingredients fresh from the garden. I think he had it all. He had it all. And he knew this, that even a simple meal, a simple meal would not be enjoyed, 
whether it's a good meal or a great meal or a bad meal, it would not be enjoyed without the hand of God. And so this morning, as we conclude our time, I want to tell you this. If you're looking, if you're looking someplace else, if I'm looking someplace else and I say, my life will be enjoyable, I will find the profit in all my toil, I will do it, and, and yet it's without God, or even the, the idea that we're doing it ourselves and God's just coming in at the end. I want to tell you, you've got a wrong picture of this life. I've got a wrong picture of this life. Because enjoyment, happiness, fulfillment, it's a gift from Him. It's a gift from Him. And as we look for meeting, we will be coming back to this idea of God being the one who hands us the joy and the fulfillment of this life. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being in your word. Thank you for each one here. God, I ask that you would continue your work in us, in each heart that's here this morning that you would stir us to wrestle with this and realize that in the end we throw up our hands as insignificant and small people, just temporary, here for a time, and say, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I can't find what I'm looking for. God, thank you for each one here. Glorify yourself in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.